Pastor Xavier Reese and the simple truths for victoriously confronting your adversary. There's always a difficult part, right? Where you get tired, discouragement comes in, and it's easy to give up. And the enemy's always there. But God has not given the spirit of fear, but of love and power and a sound mind, 2 Timothy 1.7 says. Anytime there's fear or pressure, you know that's not of God. And you have to put on the whole armor of God. You have to stand on the word of God. You have to go back to God. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. The Word of God says it's foolish to confront a fool, but it never says to run from the battle. Well, today, Pastor Xavier takes us to spiritual boot camp as he brings three important simple truths necessary to win the battle. Let's join him for today's message, fittingly titled, A Call to Warfare. Paul the Apostle declared to the Ephesian elders, listen carefully, Ephesians 6, 10 through 12. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles or the stratagems of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. This is the enemy, Satan and his host. We are born into warfare. We are to endure hardship as a good soldier in Christ Jesus, 2 Timothy 2.3 tells us. And we are to know that God has delivered us out of the mouth of the lion, will deliver us, and shall deliver us from every work, even as Paul declared in 2 Timothy 4.17 and 18. He is our Redeemer and our Savior. Now in our study of Nehemiah, in the capacity of servant leadership, we have learned that a call to serve has to do with our attitude, viewing ourselves as servants. Whenever anyone sees himself beyond a servant or yourself, you've lost the message of the gospel. A call to work has to do with our actions to accomplish the work of God. Not our own, but the work of God. And a call to warfare has to do with our Abiding, trusting and depending on God to finish the work he calls us to serve in. I'm just a small fraction of the entire body of Christ. The foot is important if you need to walk. The hand is important if you need to grab something. And no member of the body can say to the other, I have no need of you. And no member of the body can exalt itself above the other. There's one head, Jesus Christ. Many members, one body, his church. Now we want to look at Nehemiah's call to warfare in the capacity of servant leadership to gain insight regarding our call to warfare. Nehemiah's call to warfare is marked by three things. First, opposition from without. Second, opposition from within. And then opposition fans the work. That's the three things we're going to see in this call to warfare. Let's begin here with the opposition from without. We begin in chapter 4. We're going to look at verses 1 through 23 and then jump over to chapter 6 for 1 through 9. But let me say up front that opposition from without is ever present but not ever active. Okay? The opposition from without is ever present 
but not ever active, okay? There will be times that we'll be attacked, and sometimes we won't. Now here in chapter 4, the opening six verses, the opposition from without first is seen in response to their commitment to build. It says, but so it happened when Sambel had heard that we were rebuilding the wall, that he was furious and very indignant and mocked the Jews. And he spoke before the brethren and the army of Samaria and said, what are these feeble Jews doing? Will they fortify themselves? Will they offer sacrifice? Will they complete in one day? Will they revive the stones from the heaps of rubbish stones that are burned? Now Tobiah, the Ammonite, was beside him, and he said, Whatever they build, even if a fox goes up on it, it will break down their stone wall. O our God, for we are despised. Turn the reproach on their own heads and give them a plunder to a land of captivity. Do not cover their iniquity and do not let their sin be blotted out from before you. For they have provoked you to anger before the builders. And so we built the wall and the entire wall was joined together up to half its height. For the people had a mind to work. Notice the reaction of the enemy was to become furious and indignant there in the beginning of verse 1. Whenever God is begins to work, you know, there could be a, a, a gentleman's club opened up in the city. Nobody will bother it. There could be uh, all kinds of different things, but you put a church, and man, people get angry, particularly today. The method of the enemy was mockery and sarcasm there at the end of 2 and 3. The response of Nehemiah was great. He prayed. Now he prays what's called an imprecatory prayer, which is not allowed in the New Testament. In other words, he's praying for God to have vengeance over them, okay? But we can and should come against people in the name of Jesus Christ. And that doesn't mean that we become doormats. We certainly are to be known by our love, and, and certainly we, we need to keep our heads and all that, but that doesn't mean that we can't confront opposition. Paul, being a good rabbi, he got around this. He says, Lord, reward them according to their deeds. (laughs) But all the prayers that you see in the Old Testament for God's vengeance upon, those are called imprecatory prayers, and you find many of them in the Psalms. And so here, he he prays there in verse 4 and 5 this way. And now, Verse 6, notice, the result was that half of the wall was finished because the people had a mind to work. The word mind there speaks of um, the heart, the center or middle of something, including the feelings, the will, and the intellect. They have come back from captivity. They have caught the vision. They're being obedient to God. And this is the heart of the person and a group of people that God uses when he begins to do a work wholeheartedly. The word appears 860 times in the Old Testament, and the most common meaning is for the totality of man, wholeheartedly. Now, the opposition from without, secondly, is in response to the work accomplished. Look at chapter 4, verse 7, down to 23. It says, Now it happened when Sambalat, Tobiah, the Arabs, and the Ammonites, the Ashdites, 
heard of the walls of Jerusalem were being restored and the gaps were beginning to be closed, that they became very angry. And all of them conspired together to come and to attack Jerusalem and create confusion. Nevertheless, we made our prayer to our God, and because of them, we set a watch against them day and night. And you're going to see this repeated theme of prayer. And everything that confronts them, they're always lifting up to God. Very important. We already saw that Nehemiah chapter 1 was a man of prayer. Verse 10 says, Then Judah said, The strength of the laborers is failing, and there is so much rubbish that we are not able to rebuild the wall. And our adversaries said, They will neither know nor see anything till we come into their midst and kill them and cause the work to cease. So it was when the Jews who dealt near them came that they told us ten times, from whatever place you turn, they will be upon us. Therefore, I petitioned men behind the lower parts of the wall at the opening, and I set people according to their families. This is very important. With their swords, their spears, and their bows. And I looked and arose and said to the nobles, to the leaders, and to the rest of the people, Do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, great and awesome, and fight for your brethren, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your houses. For it happened when our enemy heard that it was known to us and that God had brought their plot to nothing, that all of us returned to the wall, everyone to do his work. And so it was from that time on that half of the servants worked at construction while the other half held the spear, the shield and the bow, and wore armor, and the leaders were behind all the house of Judah. And those who built on the wall... And those who carried burdens loaded themselves uh, so that with one hand they worked at construction and with the other hand they held a weapon. Every one of the builders had his sword girded at his side and he built. One of the sound of the trumpet was beside me. And then I said to the noble, the rulers and the rest of the people, the work is great and extensive, so we are separated far from one another on the wall. Whenever you hear the sound of the trumpet, rally to us here. Our God will fight for us. And so we labored in the work, and half of the men held spears from the daybreak until the stars appeared. And the same time, I also said to the people, let each man and his servants stay at night in Jerusalem, that they may be our guard by night and the working party by day. And so neither I, my brethren, my servants, or the men of the guard who followed me took off our clothes, except that everyone took them off for washing. It's in response to the work completed here that was being accomplished that the opposition from without also. Notice there in verse 7, the reaction of the enemy was to become very angry when they heard that the walls were being restored and the gaps were being closed together because walls speak of defense. They were vulnerable. And they were seeing this progress. In verse 8, the method of the enemy was to conspire to attack Jerusalem and to create confusion. We're going to see that fear plays much in part of this, of the intimidation of the enemy. In verse 9, the response of the people was twofold. They prayed to their God, their God, personal relationship, and they set a watch against them day by night. Very practical, okay? Andrew Jackson used to tell his men, pray and keep your powder dry. 
I believe that philosophy. <laughs> you use good common sense. You're not relying on yourself and who you are and what you have. I'm relying on God, but I'm real practical about life. No man is bad. And so you have to be very, very practical here. Now notice the effect of opposition from without there in verse 10 through 12. And 10, discouragement hit them as they got their eyes on the labor. And this is very difficult. Rather than the Lord. Seeing that the strength of the laborers began to fill and there was so much rubble that they could not build the wall. Remember, much of the rubbish had been removed for half of the wall was up. And so here you have, and there's always the mid. Point. There's always a difficult part, right? Where you get tired, where discouragement comes in, and it's easy to give up. And the enemy's always there. In verse 11, fear gripped them as they heard the threats of their enemy to kill them and to cause the work to cease. But God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of love and power and a sound mind, 2 Timothy 1 7 says. Anytime there's fear or pressure, you know that's not of God. Fear is to try to cripple you, intimidate you. And you have to put on the whole armor of God. You have to stand on the word of God. You have to go back to God. Look at verse 12. Intimidation distracted them from effective service. Ten times, he says in verse 12. The enemy is relentless from without. He'll attack your marriage. He'll attack your commitment to the Lord. He'll attack anything that you are involved when it comes to the work of God. He'll use all kinds of different means. In 13 to 23, the result of the opposition is given there. In verse 13, they position armed men. Once again, very practical. In verse 14, they pointed their eyes back on God and each other. And notice that they put family members. Why? Because you are most committed because you are most protective about your family. In chapter 3, in fact, when they dispersed the wall in the different portions, they allowed it to families. You see, the greatest fighting men are those who are fighting a war to protect their families so they don't have to fight. You see? And so families is the key in the church. Not just individuals, but families. The people return to the work in verse 15, and in 16 through 18, the practical Precautions were taken. Again, verse 16, half of the people worked and half armed themselves. Very practical. In verse 17, builders of the wall worked with one hand. They held the sword and the other the trough. In fact, Charles Spurgeon had a newsletter that went out, the sword and the trough. He took it from Nehemiah. Sword in one hand, the trough in the other one to work. Being very practical. Today, People are being very impractical when it comes to the gospel. And they just believe that, you know, they don't have to take precautions and everything against stuff and the attitudes that are against the church. I think it's foolish. I think that you have to protect yourself, and I think you have to be smart and practical. We certainly don't want to harm on anybody. We certainly don't want to attack anybody. But we certainly don't want to be fools, right? It's real simple. And I have the right to protect my home and to protect my family. Now, in verse 17, the builders of the wall work with one hand, again, the sword, and the other, the trawl. And in 18, they all had weapons on their side. And in 19 to 23, they had a strategy in case of the attack. The trumpet was sound, they would come together. 
So you're always prepared, no matter what. We have uh, plans for emergency here in case there's an earthquake, in case there's something. There's, there's different drawings on the wall from the children's ministry. What happens? Where do you go or anything else? In case anything happens, we have scenarios, we have people that are taking care of things. You become very practical, you understand? That you as a family have a, have a rallying point. Where are you going to meet if something happens? How are you going to get home to your house if something happens and some kind of attack or something? You need to have a plan. We hope to God nothing ever happens. But you better have a plan. Now look, the attack from with that also is shown in response to their determination. In chapter 6, we'll go all the way to chapter 6, verse 1 through 9. In verse 1 through 9, it says, Now it happened when Sambalat, Tobiah, Gershom, the Arab, and the rest of the enemies heard that I had uh, rebuilt the wall and that there was no breaks left in it, though at times I had not hung the doors and the gates, that Sambalat and Gershom sent to me, saying, Come, let us meet together among the villages in the plain of Ono. I should have given them away, Ono. But they thought to do me harm. They should have got a better rallying point. So I sent message to them saying, I am doing a great work so that I cannot come down. Why should the work cease while I leave it and go down to you? But they sent me this message four times and I answered them in the same manner. Then Sambalat sent his servant to me as before the fifth time with an open letter in his hand. And then it was written, it is reported among the nations and Gershom says that you and the Jews plan to rebel. Therefore, according to these rumors, you are rebuilding the wall that you may be their king. <laughs> and you have also appointed prophets to proclaim concerning you at Jerusalem, saying, there is a king in Judah. Now these matters will be reported to the king. So come, therefore, and let us consult together. Then I sent to him, saying, no such things as you have say are being done, but you invent them in your own heart. For they all were trying to make me afraid, saying their hands will be weakened in the work and it will not be done. This is in response to the Jews' determination to do that work of God. Notice in verse 1 and 2 the reaction of the enemy when they heard that the wall had been joined was to do Nehemiah harm. He's the leader. If you take the head down, the rest falls. Look at verse 2 there at the end. The method of the enemy was to allure Nehemiah from the work. And so as shepherds, as overseers, you have to be careful. There's a lot of false accusations. There's a lot of things that people say. A lot, you know, and you've got to discern what really is legitimate to confront and to, to clear up and what is just to leave alone. It'll go away by itself. There's different fires that go on. From a shepherd's perspective, a leader's perspective, or you as a Christian. There are fires that you have to confront and put them out. There's others that you just blow off on the way as you walk by. Others you spit on. Other ones you leave alone, they'll go out by themselves. But if you're going around chasing every fire, then you can't lead. You can't do the work of God. You understand? It's a distraction. The enemy's smart. Look at verse 3. The response of Nehemiah was, I am doing a great work. Underline that. A great work. So that I cannot come down. Why should the work cease while I leave it and go down to you? You're not more important than the work. And it's recognizing the work of God. What God has called me to do. I have had to make decisions for the past 30 years as a shepherd. How I live my life. What's important. My time. My priorities. So that the 
majority of my energies and my discipline has been towards the word of God and the church and the people of God. This is what God has called me to do. Sometimes pastors present themselves as sacrificing so much. I have sacrificed nothing. It's a joy. It's not a labor. It's no sacrifice. Look at verse 4 through 7. The reaction of the enemy was persistent. And called four times and the fifth time they sent an open letter accusing him of rebellion against the king, making himself king and setting up prophets to declare it. These are false allegations. And there are rumors that will come towards you, towards the church, or whatever it is. We've seen them through the years. And people want to see the work of God stop. But you know what? It continues if God is truly in it. Verse 8, the rebuke from Nehemiah is that these facts are false and inventions of their own hearts. And that's what it is. There is something about people when they see a work of God, when they see what God is doing. Sometimes it's envy. Sometimes it's strife. Sometimes it's just that they, don't, they hate God or whatever. You, you pick the reason. There's many. And look at 9. The insight of Nehemiah is keen to recognize their desire to put fear in them, weaken their hand, and to cause the work to cease. So you have to ask God for wisdom. We've, we've noted that he's praised throughout here. Lord, show me. Give me the wisdom, the understanding. You never depend on yourself. And then at the end of verse 9, the response of Nehemiah is to pray for personal strength as a leader. For he was the example to all who looked upon him. You never look to yourself. You never trust in yourself as a leader. You look to God. You ask for wisdom. The only way you can lead is if you're a good follower of Jesus Christ. There's no other way. You remember King Balak hired Balaam to curse Israel from without, right? Remember? He saw him coming through the land. They lapped up the land like, like a dust. And, and he says, come and curse these people. And Balaam wouldn't at first. And then he, he says, you know, God said no. And they come back. They offer him all kinds of money. And there he goes, you know. He, and God almost kills him because he shouldn't have left. He should have waited. But he got greedy. In fact, we're given the commentary in Jude and other portions that because of his greed, he went. And God was going to strike him then. And then the jackass spoke up and you, you know the story. And again, there will be many forces in the world outside the Christian church that are enemies in and of themselves. But if they find a common enemy of the Christian or the church, they unite together. You understand? It's amazing what usual common enemies become bedfellows when they have the same enemy. It's amazing. The church or person that is committed to the gospel will experience opposition from without. Just in general. Peter puts it this way. 1 Peter 3.15 But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give an answer or defense to everyone who asks a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. We're to respond. We don't need to be intimidated. or over. We, we respond with the word of God. They don't have to believe it. They don't have to accept it. It doesn't matter. I give you the reason for my belief, the truth of God's word. Jesus said that he would build his church and the gates of hell would not prevail against it. The gates of hell means the authority. Gates don't fight. It's the authority. Jesus is on the throne. He's the head of his church. And Jesus said that in John or in Matthew 16, 16, when Peter gave that confession that he was a Christ, the son of the living God. And so this is the opposition from without. It's ever-present, regardless of the age of the church's living, the people of God. Pastor Xavier Reese. 
Jesus has been identifying the enemy waging spiritual warfare on the church from outside as well as inside the body of believers. Now you can hear this message again anytime online by simply selecting today's date at the radio listings link you'll find at calvarychapelpasadena.com. And there's much more on this important topic to come right here next time as well. But if you can't join us, you can always pick up a complete copy of this message. And the title to request is A Call to Warfare. We have them available on CD for just $4. Now, once again, the title you'll be asking for is A Call to Warfare. Or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths. 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for including the call letters of this station in all your correspondence. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry. Your faith is a walk, not just talk. Next time, Pastor Xavier Reese encourages us not to sit out the battle. So join us for more Simple Truths Training for Warfare next time. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California www.calvarychapelpasadena.com